Okay, we're here. Uh, the timestamp is January 7th, 2022. The time is one o'clock Eastern time and it's behavior design with RG and Ruth. We're recording in three, two, one. So hello everybody and welcome back, foot nerds, to lesson 2.6, behavior design. I'm here with RG Papagianaki. I encourage you to say that name because it's really <laughs> fun to say and spelling it is even more fun. Um, RG is a kinesiologist, a fellow foot nerd, and also my friend. And um, we wanna thank you for being here with us today. And thank you for taking personal responsibility and full responsibility for your health, because doing that is powerfully courageous and doing that also ripples out into the world around you. And we appreciate that. So we won't stop telling you that we appreciate that. Um, remember that if you have questions about the lesson, or you wanna contribute, you can feel free to message us on Slack. So let's dig in. Um, today, we're gonna to unpack the idea of uh, the question, what is behavior change? And what does that have to do with improving our health? So you're in the Foot Nerd program um, because you're making changes to improve the quality of your life and your health. And um, when you take full responsibility for that, that means that there is most likely going to be quite a bit of re-engineering around your lifestyle and the, the habits in your life. Um, at this point, you've had the opportunity to reflect on your definition of health, what health means to you within the six pillars of health. You've also had an opportunity to take inventory on the areas of your life that you wanna improve. Um, and so when we improve the quality of our health, the quality of our life improves. And now what we want to do is RG and I want to share our perspective about the how-to um, of behavior design and behavior change from our perspective um, in order to have long-lasting and long-term success. So in order to have long-lasting success, what do we need for that? Well, first of all, I just want to say that when I said... Um, behavior design is and taking responsibility for your health is courageous. It really is because this process of changing our habits requires us to be extraordinarily self-aware, which takes bravery and courage and self-awareness is not always easy. Um, it takes a, an extraordinary amount of self-acceptance once you have made the commitment to become self-aware and looking at your habits. That's not um, a small ask. And, and then attention and patience and self-compassion and clarity and repetition and support. So these are, all, these are all things that we don't often offer ourselves or the people around us. And so we wanna um, commend you for, for being a part of the lesson and then doing the experiments as we go along. Um, so to start, I just want to just create the definition around behavior. Um, so behavior is a, a simple, it's simple. It's the way that a person um, responds to a particular situation or a stimulus. And so, um, so when we move our bodies, uh, that is a reflection of our movement behaviors on a daily basis. Like the way that we feel when we wake up in the morning is a reflection of our sleep routine and our sleep behaviors. The way that we view the world around us is a reflection of our habitual thought patterns. So we are, we are creatures of habit. And um, when we change the behaviors, 
it for the healthier, we um, we we change we change our health and the world around us. And so I'm going to turn it over to my friend and my colleague and fellow foot nerd RG Papa Giannaki <laughs> to oh, introduce. And <laughs> I love that name to introduce our behavior design lesson today. It's all yours, RG. Thank you, Ruthie. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to be doing this with you. Uh, I'm going to ask you to keep me in check if my uh, I talk very, very quickly. You got to slow me down. OK, I have a habit. OK, I will do I have that. a habit of that. There you go. <laughs> yes, we keep each other accountable. So as you were talking, you made me think about something my ancestor once said, my my Greek Aristotle ancestor from the third century BC. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. So excellence then is not an act, but a habit. Right. And I think that applies to today as much as it did back then, if not more so. So it's a good place to start. It's a good place to think about habits and how creating habits can lead us to excellence, can lead us to transforming our, our lives in ways that we can't even imagine yet unless we actually put it into, put it into practice. So for today's um, lesson slash podcast, I think we should think of it a little bit uh, like a workshop. So anybody who's interested in participating in the activities with us, feel free to pause the recording whenever we do, because uh, Ruth has so very graciously <laughs> agreed to be the experimenter with us on this uh, workshop. Yes. Yeah, so there'll be moments when we actually pause it for Ruth to do the activities and anybody who wants to do them with us, feel free. So if you wanna have a, a pen and a paper ready and handy, and just know that most of the workshop today is based on the works of uh, James Clear and uh, B.J. Fogg, the, the, both the books, Atomic Habits and Tiny Habits, as well as some, uh, some other stuff like Scott Adams, maybe Optimize.me, some of these other places, but it's mainly those two books, okay? So what is a habit? As, as uh, Ruth sort of mentioned, it's a routine or practice performed regularly, an automatic response to a specific situation. So some examples of that is, when I get up in the morning, I go straight to the kitchen to have my glass of water. It's almost an automatic, whoop, I press the coffee machine. That's it. It's water, coffee, boom. When I go to bed at night, the second my bed, my, my, uh, my head hits the bed, I name three, four, five things that I'm grateful for that happened that day. So those are automatic responses to certain cues, right? Some of us, when we go to the bathroom, well, we wash our hands before coming out. That's a usual, <laughs> a very <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, maybe for some of us. And, uh, and things like, you know, if I see a green light, automatic response is you hit the gas pedal. So those are sort of me mental shortcuts that we learn from experience and that are reliable solutions for things that are recurring in our, in our experience. So what is behavior design? Behavior design is something that B.J. Fogg defines in his book in a very poetic way. I'm not sure if this would have been the way I would have described it, but I think it's, I mean, the man is a genius. So his, his definition of behavior design is a system for thinking clearly about human behavior and designing simple ways to transform your life. So I, I like it. It's poetic. It does give us an idea of what we're doing here. And he, mm -hmm. he's, definitely, uh, he's definitely on top of how to do it. He's, he's fantastic in all the methods we're going to learn today. Mm -hmm. So one thing that's consistent in terms of um, where to start when you're actually thinking about changing something is to not depend on your willpower. I think this is a consensus. Everybody agrees. Motivation and willpower are not things you want to be depending on for when you're building habits. It's, it's essentially fickle and, and finite, like a phone battery where you start with a battery that's charged in the morning and by the evening or even by the end of the week, you're not feeling the same as you did at the beginning, right? So you don't want to depend on it for building habits, but you can use it wisely, right? So once you are feeling mo motivated, you might want to install some habits that eventually will run on autopilot. So that would be the ideal situation. You install something and then it sort of just goes by itself because the, the design is so 
so um, on point. Uh, and one thing they also mentioned is that the definition of a disciplined person, it's not that they're, they're better at, uh, they have more willpower, they have more self-control. The idea with a disciplined person is that they're better at structuring their life in a way where they don't need to use their willpower. It's not something they, that needs to be controlled for. They spend, their, they spend their time in less tempting environments and thereby using their discipline less. Mm -hmm. uh, and another thing that's a, a consensus among these two, uh, two masters is that once we... <laughs> Yeah, once, once we plan to, to sort of create a habit, if we, do, if we do fail, we tend to blame ourselves. And we tend to think that it was something we did wrong. Maybe we don't have enough self-control. Maybe we don't have enough discipline, whatever it is. But they, they both agree that it wasn't a personal flaw. It was a design flaw. And if we knew how to design for proper habit creation, that most of us would either not fail, or if we did fail, it would be a learning experience. And we pick it up and sort of use it to refine the process and we'd eventually succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll just I'll just say right here that like when I when I think about like discipline and willpower and motivation over my own lifetime you know like if you were an athlete you had a you had a coach and there was like I played basketball there was a lot of discipline involved you know but I loved basketball and I loved playing sports and I loved being on a team but that whole willpower thing is like you know how like they you know how there's the saying that like nobody likes to be told what to do but I think like that is where like we think that disciplined people, you know, there's like this drill sergeant inside and the, and, and we don't realize that we're the ones telling us what to do. And that just is so painful. And you just want to rebel. Like you want to rebel against somebody who doesn't approach you with like a certain finesse on how to motivate or, or, or to like inspire you. Right. So like sure. words like inspire are like so much more fun than like, willpower and discipline sure. yeah the poetry of it yeah yeah and it's we want it we are just we want to feel pleasure you know like we're ultimately designed to seek pleasure so that it's never going to work absolutely and that's that's actually a big part of uh bj fogg's method and it's it's huge it's it's he spends a lot of time talking about this and it's obviously important enough to him after having studied this for two decades to include it in all his little recipes all his little models it's always there it's always a main yeah. feeling good is always a main part of his um his technique and when we're talking about willpower, it's funny because I think you've worked in a, in a gym before, right? Mm -hmm. And I have too for over a decade. And we know what willpower is in January, you know, the yeah. first of the month. We know what willpower is in September as well. When the seasons change, we're going back to routines. And you see this influx of people coming into the gyms. And that rarely ever lasts, right? That was like yeah. a common joke in the gym back in my day. Yep. Uh, yep. Here they come. And, it's coming and, oh my gosh. And RG, I have two friends that trained for a half marathon because like I mean you can be willful and you can be disciplined and you can go on for a long period of time Absolutely. but eventually it breaks it breaks down you know because because of those internal cues for seeking you know something enjoyable and it's pretty funny because my friends were trained for a half marathon and the day of the marathon they stayed home and drank peppermint schnapps and hot chocolate <laughs> that's their little reward for the training. <laughs> they didn't know they were going to do that, but I love that. Anyway, sorry. Literally word. Not at all. All right. <laughs> uh, when we're starting this process of uh, deciding what habits to create and how to structure and transform our lives, we want to start with knowing our why. So you want to decide right now, what exactly do you want to accomplish? What is your dream? What meaning or benefit do you want to gain with the changes you plan on making? Uh, how do you want to feel? Who do you want to become? Um, all, the, all these beautiful questions. And once you come up with your why, well, then you put it aside, you keep it in the back of your mind somewhere, but then you focus on the how-to. 
The how-to is the gold, okay? So know your why, but then focus on the how-to. Do you have your, uh, do you have your why, Ruth? Oh, I have so many whys. Okay, cool. I, I have my why for each pillar. Oh, wow. But the, awesome. Do you want to know my why? Not, not if you don't want to share. Not oh, at all. If you well, want to share, go for it. I, I want the, my why for everything in health is that um, I have like, I have made my life pretty painful for no good reason for a long period of time. You know, like I noticed that my life is beautiful. I create a beautiful external life wherever I go. Just with like these beautiful fresh flowers. I love mm -hmm. them so much. But like, I would just notice that inside me, there was like a mismatch, you know, like there's the drill sergeant inside me using will. And my, so my why for everything health related is how can I be more like the flowers? My why is um, the reason why I do things is so that I can just be more like, I could just be more like, not to sound so cheesy, but I don't care. I just I like want to be more like the trees and the flowers and the butterflies and the dogs and the bees, you know, like, like smooth, a process that's natural. Yes. I just want to, I, the why is like that, that. That's a beautiful that's why. why. I like I just, it. Yes. I like it. <laughs> so that's good. So that's where we're going to start from, right? That's your why. And then we'll maybe clarify it a little further in the next. Uh, the yes. Next so oh, when yeah. you're approaching, yeah. So when you're approaching this habit, design process a behavior design process you want to basically embrace the process because it is a journey it's not going to be a one and done it's it's like kaizen constant little mini improvements hopefully day to day and it's going to require refinement it's going to require patience curiosity experimentation there's going to be a lot of these these things that are going to be undulating up and down you're going to succeed there may be a little small little failure you're going to come back up up and down and it's a constant process where you're going through your habits you're trying to maybe be a better sleeper be a better eater be a better mover and there's going to be things that work and there's going to be things that don't work and none of it really matters as long as you keep an open mind you you're kind with yourself and you enjoy the learning about yourself so keep a growth mindset and know that there's going to be ups and downs and there's going to be an inevitable refinement of your process and the better you get the better the more you do the better you get Okay, so that's hopefully that's the approach we can approach this um this whole workshop with that kind of that kind of attitude, right? Embracing the process of it. You mentioned RG, you mentioned Kaizen. Mm. Can you just oh. talk just like briefly put a little pin in that? Sure, sorry about that. Yeah, Kaizen is a it's like the um constant, deliberate, small improvements daily, working towards, you know there is no end point, right? We can constantly mm -hmm. refine, we can constantly get better. The idea is that every day you work to sort of get yourself closer to that. I don't know if I'd say ideal, but just closer to your understanding of, you know, whatever is a great person to be or a great place to be. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so where do we start? Right? Where do we start? Well, I think the agreement, if you, if you, if you just, just take the titles of these books, Atomic Habits, The Size of an Atom, Tiny Habits. There's a book called Mini Habits, right? So it, the idea is to start mm -hmm. small, okay? And why should we start small? So I've heard some criticism of this idea as I was, as I was sort of listening to other experts and they're like, well, don't, don't cheat yourself, go big. You know, you're not meant for small things. And this in no way implies 
to start and stay small, right? The implication is that as you do it and as you become better and as your motivation grows, because as you succeed, motivation grows and you have more and more ability to succeed, with, especially with the habits you do choose, that these transform into larger and larger and larger habits. So that's the idea. You start small because it is transformative. When you succeed at one thing, you, you kind of want it to multiply and you want it to grow and you want to include this other good habit and then this other good habit and then another good habit. And it is transformative. You know, you start one place and the next thing you know, five years down the line, you're a completely different person, right? Mm -hmm. So not only is it because it is transformative to start small, it does, get, it does, it is a time efficient and fast, right? So if we take the most common example of two pushups, let's say you decide I want to build to 50 pushups. So I'm going to start with two pushups on my kitchen counter. The excuse of, I don't have enough time doesn't work. So it's fast time efficient. It's also very low pressure, right? You didn't sign up for a marathon. You didn't agree to climb Mount Everest. You just told yourself, just yourself that you're going to do two pushups. Right. So very, very low pressure, very safe, no risk of failure, no risk of embarrassment. It's also very easy. Should you fail one day to pick up, you stumble, you pick it up again, really easy, right? It's not a mountain. It's a little, it's a little right. climb of a hill. You're climbing mm -hmm. a hill back to two pushups. So there's many reasons to start small with the idea in mind that you're going to go as far as you want to take it. Right. So it's small, mm -hmm. but it makes a big difference. And an idea that uh, James, James Clear brings up in his book, actually, was that if you were, it's like the compound interest, right? Habits are like compound interest of self-improvement. So if you were to just agree to do 1% improvement per day, so you agree that, you know what, I'm going to get better by 1% every day. Well, over the course of a year, he says that you'd be 30, 37 times better than, than you were at the beginning at the end of one year. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you do the calculation, if you extrapolate to something like 10 years, I think the, the official number is a gazillion times better. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's what it is. That is official. Official number, yeah. And listen, this takes me back to the why, you know, like you were talking, because you were saying like, if you did two, if you did two push-ups a day, like you couldn't, you couldn't say that you don't have time for that. But I think that we want to illustrate the why at each, at each place, right? Like why, there are other ways to get upper body strength. Like maybe you absolutely hate pushups. Like make like I think this is one thing that we gloss over a lot when we're create when we're talking about this stuff and and creating um, lessons and workshops and going forward is that like it's not because your brother can do a hundred pushups. Like you have to have an internal why, not an external. Like you know, it, yeah. I mean, I think that comes back to like own. the yeah, it has to be like truly your own because right. I realized that I tried to do pushups. Or when, or these like certain things, like I just, there are certain types of things that I want. And I was like, oh, that's how you do it because that's how Nick St. Louis does it. Or that's how RG does it. I'm going to do it like that because I love them and they're, you know, I want to emulate them, but that wasn't like, that doesn't work over time. It resonates then, with you. Yeah. So I wanted to just go back to that, like the, the re reiterating the, the why of what we're doing. Absolutely. And that's, that's why we need to be clear on what our why is, right? You need to yes. be clear on what the why is for you. And obviously everybody's why is different, but mm -hmm. it, it needs to come back to what's important to you. And also as you're implementing these habits, are you like, as you do them, do they make you feel good? Is this something you exactly. want to be working towards? If you yes. don't feel good, it's not going to work. This is a very, very big aspect of these methods that you have to feel good, which is why it's important to keep them small. So you keep succeeding and that success drives further success. Okay. And we're going to mm -hmm. definitely talk about this soon because it's a really big aspect of these methods. 
So, and another thing with good habits, right? Over time, good habits make time your ally, right? But bad habits over time make time, or sorry. Yeah, bad habits over time make time your enemy. So this is really important yes. to keep that in mind because we, we tend to focus on the present and it's important to focus on how you feel after doing something that's good for you, right? What's the, there's, a, there's a moment where you're like, hey, I'm a bad, can I swear? I'm a badass. <laughs> yeah, you might be thinking, right? Even if you did two push-ups, you're like, hey, I told myself I would do two push-ups and I did it. Not bad for me. So even just that sensation, you want to keep it in mind as you progress and as you choose which habits have that feeling for you, right? So the final, the, one of the final little ideas here when it comes to uh, starting off these, uh, these sort of goals and processes is to distinguish a bit between goals and systems, right? So this is a, the Scott, Al, a Scott Adams idea, the guy from Dilbert, the cartoonist. He speak, he's, I think, the, one of the first ones who spoke about this. I'm a big fan of him. He mentions how goals are results that you want to achieve and systems are the processes, the processes that lead to those results. So it's important to have a goal in mind to set a direction, but then it's your system that's going to assure you reaching that, that goal or making progress. So I, and in, in, it's a fantastic passage in the book. It says winners and losers have the same goals. So what differentiates, what differentiates winners and losers? If they both have the goal of winning, it is the system one team has over another or one sports uh, organization or another, mm -hmm. right? How do they recruit? How do they manage their team? How do they train their players? That's what leads to success. And then the score takes care of itself, right? Such a great example. Mm -hmm. so, and another thing about this is if you, what if you completely ignored your goal? If you've set up your system, you would still be successful. You would still reach it. So even if you, your goal was forgotten, if your system is in place, you'll still get there. So mm -hmm. that's the idea of coming up, yeah, with having a, a good process in place. Nice. So we're going to go into a little bit the nitty gritty of the actual tiny habits method. And I call this the one acronym to rule them all. Okay, this is an, <laughs> yeah, this is my homage to Lord of the Rings. So the one acronym to rule them all. So BG Fogg has sort of distilled his 20 years of research in one little formula, okay? Or one little acronym, ABC. So if you left here today only remembering this one little thing, A, B, C, you'd probably be way ahead of everybody else in building your habits, okay? So A stands for anchor, B stands for behavior, and C is celebration. So celebration in this method is so important that he put it in the one acronym to rule them all, A, B, C, okay? And we're going to talk about celebration a little bit later and how important it is. But for now, know that his method relies on basically you choosing a behavior you want, making it tiny, finding where it fits into your life naturally, and nurturing its growth. That's essentially his method. So the anchor is a behavior that already exists in your routine day to day. That's your anchor. You sort of hook on a new behavior to this anchor, which prompts you for the new behavior. And then once you've done it, you celebrate. That's it. A, B, C. That's all you need to remember. Okay. And this works for everything. In James Clear's model, this is called a habit stack, which I think is a really cool name for this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm habit stacking. <laughs> you had me at celebrate. Yeah, exactly. So that's it. So it, it, this is A, B, C for G, B, G, Fog and habit stack. So basically what I did, I took the habit stack recipe from James Clear and I added the word celebrate because it's not there in his book. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. So we're going to, I'm going to ask you, Ruth, to try to come up with a habit stack now. Okay. So I'll give you some examples. Okay. And I'll, I'll, yeah. Your pressure, pressure. And anybody listening can do this on their own as well. They can just scream them out. Scream them okay. out. Okay. Yeah. So the scream. Rep, 
yes, cream. <laughs> the recipe is after I insert current habit, I will insert new habit plus celebrate. So after I blank, I will blank plus celebrate. So I'll give you my examples. After I pour my morning coffee, I will open up my journal, mm -hmm. right? After I start brushing my teeth, I will lift one leg off the floor. After I lay down my head to sleep, I will name three things I'm grateful for. So those are just some of my examples. Do you have any in mind, Ruthie? Oh my gosh. Okay. After I open my eyes, I sit up and meditate. Mm -hmm. After I press the kettle for my coffee, I hop on my beam. Mm -hmm. After I drink my glass of water, I roll out my feet with my lacrosse ball. <laughs> such a partner, eh? Such a partner. I love it. And after I go pee in the morning, I go do a handstand against the wall. Okay. Wow. Impressive for morning. I go, I go get the blood in my brain. Amazing. Awesome. <laughs> well done, Ruthie. Congratulations. Yay. Thank you. Woo. Good job. So basically, once you have a habit stack, right, you can actually start See if it works tomorrow. Since you have this little habit stack, you can try it right away tomorrow. Uh, if not, you, we can refine it and fine tune it as we go through the, the workshop today. But um, so what, what assures that a behavior will happen? So how do I know if after I say that I'm going to hop onto my beam, how do I know if that, that's going to happen? So there's a model for this called the B map, which basically says B, by the way, let me describe it. B equals M-A-P. B map, B equals MAP. And what this says is for you to know if your behavior will take place, there's things that have to converge at the same time, right? So behavior happens when uh, motivation, ability, and prompt converge. Okay. So motivation is your desire to do the behavior. Ability is your capacity to do the behavior. And a prompt is the cue or the trigger for the behavior. Mm -hmm. So Ruthie, do you have a pen and a paper? I do. All right, I'm gonna ask oh, you. To wait a second. It's like it's like a highlighter, though. Oh, shame on you! I can still see it. <laughs> okay. Well, do, are you familiar with the BMAP model? Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna describe it for those who want to draw it out at home who are listening to this. Uh, so the idea is that it's a graph. So there's a horizontal and a vertical axis, right? Do you want me to draw it right now? Sure. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Is right, that so why I wanted the pen and paper? Yeah. Okay. That's right. So we have a horizontal axis and a vertical axis. Beautiful. Yes. So on the horizontal axis, that's the continuum of ability. So that's your ability on the left hand corner is hard to do. That's when a, an ability is you have low ability. It's hard to do. And on the mm -hmm. right side of that continuum, on the right side of the horizontal axis, the ability is easy to do. Huh? Now for motivation, so far, so good. Motivation on the vertical axis on the bottom left corner, that's low motivation. Your desire is low for the activity. And at the top right, a top left corner, your motivation is high for that behavior. So far, so good? Great. All right. I won't, I won't show you every time. Okay. <laughs> okay. So once we have those two axes, right, then we have this thing called the action line. The action line is a curved line, concave up, de decreasing. It goes from the top left to the bottom right. So that's the concave action line. I will show you, does it look like that? Yes, perfect, awesome. So basically this model says that any behavior, if it is prompted 
above the action line will take place. And when, is, when it is prompted below the action line will not take place, okay? So if I give you an example, um, let's say I decide I'm going to have coffee in the morning, okay? My, let's say I wasn't, which I would never forget coffee ever, but let's say I wasn't having coffee and I wanna include caffeine for my morning routine. My motivation to have coffee would be high and my ability to make a cup of coffee is also high. So then if I come into the kitchen and I see my coffee machine, that prompt is gonna get me to do the, uh, the action of making coffee because my motivation and my ability land above the action line. Okay, so I'm gonna Makes give sense. you an example and I want you to plot it, okay? What about- oh, you want me to, to applaud it or plot it? <laughs> plot, plot it. If I told you the, the behavior of uh, scrolling in bed, where would it land on this little graph? It would Scroll. land on easy. Yeah. And the and motivation would be probably high. High for most people, I'd say, right? Yeah, I, I don't- I mean, yeah, it's, it's easy and high. <laughs> <laughs> I think, right? I mean, it's, it's something I have to fight. Like I, I, I can't bring my phone anywhere in the bedroom. It's just, it's a bad behavior. And I leave it outside of the bedroom because if I don't see the phone, there's no behavior, no prompt, no behavior. And by bad behavior, I just want to, I just want to illustrate that like, if you are paying attention and you have self-awareness, you will notice that you probably don't feel very good if you do that too much, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and, and we've talked about like constraints, you know, like if you want to do that behavior, I'll, this is just an aside, right? Cause I'm sure yeah. that I'm sure we're going to talk about like removing bad habits at some point in a layer two conversation or this one. I'm not exactly sure where you're taking me, but I'm going with you. I love it. I um, love it. But I just wanted to say like one of the things about, um, you know, Oh, I forgot. Just take me where you want to go. All right. Okay. Well, I think it's going to come back to you as we're talking, but yeah. you, just, you just said the behavior when you plotted it, it, it fell on basically the top right corner. Right. So yes. it was, at the, it was high motivation, high ability. It's very easy to scroll. Right. So if you were prompted, if you saw your phone, the motivation is high enough and the ability is it's easy enough to do that. You'd grab it and probably scroll. Right. So one, one way I don't do that is I actually have an app limit or I don't bring it into the bedroom because the prompt would land and it would be effective. If those are, that's where you stand on that right. behavior, right? A behavior that has low motivation, low ability, even when prompted, you're not above the action line, you won't act. So then, then it begs the question, if I want to act, what do I need to do? You need to either, well, I would say you, you need to either increase motivation, but that's the last aspect you want to work on, okay? You want to first either increase ability or make sure your prompt is on point. Right, because you might have high motivation, you might have high ability, but if you, there's no prompt, you're not going to act. So first, you look to the prompt, make sure it's visible, make sure it's obvious, make sure you're going to notice it, and it happens at the right time, and make sure you're able to do the behavior that you're trying to do. Motivation, and that's and and that's why the prompt is something that should fit into your life naturally. Like exactly. when we've said, like if you're going to the bathroom and you go pee, you know, you do two push ups, or if it's you're, absolutely important, yeah. So okay. Yeah, it absolutely has to be something that's already in your life. If it's something you're going to add to your life, you got to make sure it's absolutely visible and it won't get lost in the background. Like if you're going to put a little post-it note on a wall with 45 other post-it notes, I don't know how effective that's going to be, you know, and it's, it's okay to change your environment. It's actually crucial to change the environment, but it might get lost in the weeds. Yeah. Yeah. 
So just a few points. We already talked about how motivation is unreliable. VJ uh, Fogg says it's like a party animal friend. You don't want to count on it. It's good for a night out, but not for much else. It comes in waves, it fluctuates. That's not where you want to work on. You want to work on prompting yourself properly. And the ability is something that's actually really interesting because the more you practice this behavior that you're trying to incorporate into your life, your ability will naturally increase, right? Because the more you do something, the easier it gets. And the easier it gets, the more success you have, the more success you have, the more your, your motivation increases. So there's like this mm -hmm. feedback loop, which is really interesting, right? I'll give you an example of that, RG, because I was working with Nick because I wanted to increase my upper body strength. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do, my goal was to do a pull-up. Like, beautiful. And, and I just admire people who can do pull-ups. It just seems like it's such a great use of the kinetic chain, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, but I could never, I just get up there and I just couldn't, I could not like fathom how to, how I was ever going to do that. I just felt like my ability was so low. So we started with a, a banana hang where I just would hang yeah. and I mean, I'm not able to do it yet, but I just could tell like how my whole body, like all the little dots start to connect. And it's just, I can tell that it's getting so much easier over time. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. And so how do you prompt yourself for a pull up? What's your prompt? Well, I have a very interesting life. So I don't own a car. So okay. I go, like I go for groceries by foot mm -hmm. or on my bike. And so, um, and every time I pass like the monkey bars, nice. I, I take a, I take a walk and then I go to the, I go to the playground and I do banana hanging. So every time, awesome. yeah. And then I carry my groceries. So I don't go to the gym cause I spent 30 years in the gym yeah. with willpower and motivation. So everything I do has like, is like a very natural, I'm living my life kind of prompt. Absolutely. So awesome. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned this because we haven't we haven't planned this, but I, I've had that goal of doing push-ups twice in my life, and by far the most for me the most successful method that I had. Um, well, the, the trick I use is I put a pull-up bar on the doorway of my bedroom. So every time I pass, I would tell myself, "You got to do one," yes. and it was it came quickly enough that I was really happy with that progress. That's just uh, that was my prompt. I actually am going to get a pull-up bar to be in my house now. Yes. I, Awesome prompt. Awesome prompt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to move on to the actual steps in the behavior design process. So this is where we're going to go into the nitty gritty a little bit of uh, BJ Fogg's method. Um, we're going to go through it, through it step by step. I'm going to just call them out now so we're, we know where we're going and then we'll okay. delve a little deeper. Okay. So step one would be clarifying the aspiration. So you have an idea of what you want, where you want to go, who you want to be. We're going to clarify it a little bit. So we actually choose one particular idea. Step two would be exploring behavior options. So then we're going to sort of explore what behaviors would lead to helping this aspiration become reality. Step three, matching with specific behaviors called golden behaviors. This is what it's called golden behaviors because they're the ones most likely to have you succeed. Okay. Now, basically I'll, I'll let you know what that's about. Step four, starting tiny. Step five, finding a good prompt. Step six, celebrating successes. Here we are again with this whole celebration business, which I will talk about further. It's, it's actually something I wasn't sold on when I started this book. Me neither. Yeah, I was not sold on this. And uh, I am so sold now. And I Me hope too. To explain, yeah, hope to explain why. And then finally, step seven, troubleshooting, iterate, uh, troubleshoot, iterate, and expand. Okay, that's the last step. So step one, clarifying the aspiration. So this is where we want to make what sure. What does that even mean? Right. Exactly. So an aspiration 
is a little bit of an abstract desire, right? It's not really concrete. It's, it's I want to be um, an exemplar of fitness. I want to be a good sleeper. I want to eat like, I don't know, I want to eat like a superstar, whatever it is. It's, it's something yeah. that's a little abstract. It's not something that happens now. It's something that happens if you put the correct behaviors into place, it happens over time. Okay. And that's where it, um, it's a little bit like an outcome. An outcome can be a little bit more measurable. You can mm -hmm. say, something like, I want to be 23% body fat. That would be more mm -hmm. of an outcome. And an aspiration is more of an abstract idea. Right. And, and you always ask yourself, why do I want to do that? Yes. Why, 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 why am I bothering? Why? Yeah. why, why, why should I bother? <laughs> yeah. What do you want? What is your dream? Why? Right. And it's a good idea. And I would, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a very important idea to consider who you want to be like an identity shift. And this is not something that the tiny habit speaks a lot about. And I think that's the only place where the, he missed the ball a little bit because James mm -hmm. is a lot more, um, more, um, verbal or uh, he, he mm -hmm. talks about this well he mentioned this a lot a lot more and i think it's really important that you mm -hmm. decide who you want to be what yes. type of person he's the one who he says in his book um that quote that i have in ingrained in my brain which is like every action you take is a vote for the kind of person that you wish to become <sighs> i love it i know I it's it. just I love it yes yeah he's like yeah the behaviors are you're casting a vote for the person you want to become and you know he talks about the whole uh an election is won by a majority it doesn't matter if it's not unanimous i love that that is one of my favorite yes. parts of the whole book so i do think it's important that when you're clarifying your aspiration that you're not only thinking about what dream or what outcome or what like situation you want to find yourself in but who is the person you actually want to be in five years or in 10 years okay and i think it's a very powerful way to uh to imagine this aspiration. When you're thinking of shifting your identity, because it's, it's so important, one question I, I like to ask myself is, how do I want to be remembered? For me, that makes a big deal. Like, I want to be the cool aunt. I want to be a good daughter. I want to be a good partner. Like These are things that are important to me, and they set a direction. So questions like, who do I wish to become? How do you want to be remembered? Uh, what qualities would I have to embody to be that person? What habits would I have to cultivate to become that person? And what choices would I have to make in specific situations to eventually become the person I want to be? Mm. So these are very powerful questions. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's, a, it's good to take a moment and decide who you want to become. Okay. And take, uh, take more than a moment. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a moment now. We're going to pause it. Oh. And you're, you're going to think about this unless you already have it in mind. But if you want a moment, we can pause. What do you think? We'll pause. Well, you guys, pause, you foot nerds, pause your recording and take some notes off the top of your head from the bottom of your heart, the kind of person that you want to become. And we'll be back with you shortly. Okay, y'all, did you get you? Did you take your notes? Did you write down off the top of your head and from the bottom of the heart who you wish to become, who you are becoming as we speak? So, Ruthie, what about you? Did you, yes. uh, did you come up with an identity you'd like to emulate, become? Yes. Well, I have a list. Uh, we were talking during the pause about um, dream team people that I want to emulate. And so there are parts of like Mary Poppins personality that I love. She's incredibly resourceful and magic. And like, I want to be the kind of person, I have an aspiration to be the kind of person that can shift and change and move and play at the drop of a hat and that can like, respond clearly and 
you know, like I want to be an MVP. I want to be somebody's MVP on their team. I want to be like somebody, I want to be somebody who people will be like, I, I want her on my team because she's not only she's not only fun and lighthearted and embraces beauty and vegetables and fruits and delicious chicken sometimes. <laughs> and, and like, I'm not like the well-rounded human with, with qualities of Mary Poppins and Pippi Longstocking and, um, and then like badass men too, you know, like, of course, yes. Okay. So I've, I have big aspirations, RG. I see that. Now, uh, funny enough, when we said clarify the aspiration, we gotta, you gotta take all that and make it into like one idea, right? Because we're gonna be okay. the next exercise, the next exercise is gonna require one word. And maybe your word could be Mary Poppins, your two words. That's fine as long as you know what it means. But clarifying is like maybe make, you know, make it a con- concise, concrete idea. Because we're okay. going to take it a little further. By the nice. way, just something I, want, something I want to share that I thought was really powerful in um, in a different, I think I found this in different sources as well. But when you're shifting identity, they talk about how this was actually in Atomic Habits. When you're, let's say you're a smoker trying to quit and someone offers you a cigarette, the, the shifting of an identity would be instead of saying, oh, no, thanks, I'm trying to quit. Your answer would be, oh, no, thanks. I'm not a smoker. So you can imagine mm. the, the power of that shift. And another example is a person in a wheelchair who, who, who says, well, this, I'm, bound, I'm bound to this wheelchair versus the same person who says, I am freed, freed by this wheelchair to be out into the world, see my friends go out to restaurants like we used to back in the day. And the last one that I saw, which I thought was really powerful, was a cancer patient who goes in to see their doctor and gets the good news. Are they in remission or are they cancer free? Yep. You know, picture that shift. When you walk mm-hmm. out, you're like, hey, I'm cancer-free, I'm healthy, or I'm in remission, which has this like ominous sounding inevitability. Yes. Oof. It was, yeah, it was something I was taught. I used to talk about uh, with my father a lot anyway. Yeah, so it's beautiful. Yeah. Step two. So once we have this clear, clear aspiration, step two would be to explore behavior options. So how do we do exploring of the exploration of the behavior options? So the exercise they propose Uh, is a swarm of behaviors. That's what it's called, swarm of behaviors. So during this exercise, essentially what we're doing is we're going wild, we're being creative, and we're coming up with as many possible behaviors that can help in reaching the aspiration, okay? So this is an exercise, I'm gonna describe it, and then uh, Ruthie will take another pause and you actually go, go off and do this. So a swarm of behaviors is you take a piece of paper and in the middle of the piece of paper, you draw a cloud. In the cloud, you write down your aspiration. So maybe Mary Poppins, you write this down. And all around the cloud, you come up with as many creative ideas you can come up with that of, a, of behaviors that can contribute to you attaining this goal, this aspiration. So you write all sorts of behaviors around the cloud and you have these arrows pointing to the cloud. This is your swarm of behaviors, okay? Um, and they also say one thing he actually mentions is get as creative as possible. Picture you have a magic wand and you can get yourself to do anything, anything possible. So these behaviors, they can be one-time things. Like um, let's say you want to write a book and your one-time behavior might be to go out and get yourself a really good pen that's really satisfying to write with. Or it could be daily repeated behaviors that you would have to sort of incorporate daily to get to this aspiration. So these are all the possible um, things you can write down. And take as much time as you need. You need to come up with a bunch of them. All right. So let's pause again. Give everybody a chance to do that. Ruthie included. And we'll be back in a moment. 
Okay, we're back. So did you all put your cloud with your aspiration, your, your aspiration in the center of the cloud? And then we taught and then RG and I talked about the behaviors and this was very interesting, right, RG? Yes. So, so I have I have Mary Poppins inside my cloud because she is a character that I would like to emulate. Then I'll just and then and then what happened was RG said, um, so what are the characteristics that she has that you would want to emulate? And I said, well, she's magic. She's um, able to be friends with anybody regardless of who they are. So she sees the good, sees the seed of goodness in everybody she comes across. She's discerning. She recognizes problems when they're there. She's on her toes and she can fly. Oh, and she has awesome shoes. No, but then, then RG said, well, those are great, but they're still vague. So she asked me to make it concrete. Can you help me? Yeah, with this? Totally. so when I asked you to, even as Mary Poppins, as Mary Poppins in your, in your cloud might be okay. If you have a very clear idea of what about her you want to emulate. And then when I asked you to tell me what behaviors you'd have to do to emulate her, your behaviors were beautiful. Uh, sorry, your answer was beautiful, was poetic, but it wasn't a behavior. It was another aspiration. So the behavior yeah. has to be something I can ask you to do right now. So what behavior can you do right now to be like Mary Poppins? So when I walk outside my house and I go to the grocery store, we decided that friendliness is a characteristic. And what I could, what behavior I could do was the next time I saw somebody that my brain told me not to be friendly to, I would smile mm -hmm. and I would, or I would make some gesture of acceptance or friendliness towards someone that I normally wouldn't at the grocery right. store, for example. Yeah. So that's a behavior. Yeah. It could be shorter. It'd be like smile at strangers, but yeah. Like, yeah if you want to write all that out, it's perfect. Cause you know exactly what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. Right. Smile at strangers. Right. Smile at strangers. Connect. You know the rest of it, you know, in your head, because now you yeah. still have to write this out. So it would be very, a lot of, it'd be a whole thesis if we had to fill them out like that, but you know how it's going to play right. out. You know. Like make eye contact would be the very most simplest thing. Right. And all the, and again, it's not just one. You want to be basically filling out this page with maybe a dozen, maybe two dozen behaviors because you're trying to go wild. You're like Mary Poppins, you're magic. Yes. And you're trying to, yeah. And it's funny you said you like her shoes because this is the foot nerd program. No, I don't wear them. I just okay. admire them. <laughs> All right. So that's it. So after you've done this little swarm of behaviors and you have these very concrete, specific behaviors uh, that can lead you to this aspiration, we move on to step three. Okay. So step three is we're, we're going to find our golden behaviors. What? What? Golden behaviors. Okay. So the golden behaviors are the ones that are most likely to get you to success. So how do we find these behaviors? You look at your whole list that you have all these little, um, you know, behaviors you have, you have floating around the cloud. And I'm going to describe the shortcut version because he has two models. And I think the, the, the shortcut is just as effective as the long version. So we're going to go with the shortcut model, which is you, you look at all these behaviors and you put a little star next to the ones you think are the most effective behaviors to get you to where you want to go or to make you, you know, be the person you want to be. So a little asterisk next to the top five, maybe top eight, whatever you want, an asterisk, an asterisk next to what you consider to be the most effective behaviors. So you go through that round one. Round two, you look at the ones you've put an asterisk next to, and then you circle the ones that you think you can get yourself to do, right? So it might be super effective to, 
I don't know, get up every morning and do a one hour workout when I'm trying to be a CrossFit queen. But is that something you can get yourself to do? It might be effective, but if it's not the, the real you, it's the fantasy you version, you don't want to be circling that. You want to be circling the activities or the behaviors, I should say, that you can get yourself to do even on a bad day. Okay, on a day when you're, you're sniffling, your nose is, oh, you're a little off, you had a fight with your partner, uh, work is on your back, whatever it is, you can still picture yourself doing these activities on a bad day. So once you have the, uh, these behaviors, once you have these behaviors circled and asterisked, those are your golden behaviors. Those are the ones we're going to design for, mm. for life. These are the ones that are Beautiful. going to transform your life to begin with. So you just made me think of my, when I, when I took my yoga teacher training, before I ever knew about any of this, my teacher was trying to just would like go run or go to the park and run like on the grass. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard any, I'd never heard of the foot nerd program or tiny habits or atomic habits, but I thought he was so brilliant because he said, even when he felt terrible, he would still drive himself to the park. Mm-hmm. He would get out of the car and then he would get back in the car and drive home. Uh, yes, that's, a, that's actually one of the, the suggestions that you, that's the starter step, right? Even though, even though he didn't run. Yeah. That would, yeah. Yeah. Because he would like you said, it, it prompted me to think of that because you said, even if you don't feel well, if you have sniffly. So he said he was sick, but, and in my brain, I was like, oh, he need to stay in bed, but he mm-hmm. said he still got out of bed and he drove his car to the park where he would run and, and that behavior, he just still was able to do that behavior. Exactly. The very beginnings, you know, like, yeah, so exactly it was just right. a, that's cool. actually it's perfect timing because that's exactly what we're talking about next funny enough Ruth it's like you're reading my mind <laughs> that, that's what's called a starter step right so when you're trying to keep a behavior alive because you want to quote unquote master the art of showing up right so when you're trying to keep a behavior alive if your baseline behavior is to show up so that first step might have been him putting on his running shoes the second step is him getting into the car third step is him getting to the park fourth step is the run so he just covered the first three steps. So he's still showing up for mm. himself, even if he doesn't do the last step, because we need to have a baseline of success. And the baseline would be maybe just showing up, putting on your shoes. So that's that's actually step, step four of this process is to start time. So I don't know if anybody else wanted to pause that before and, and fill that out. I guess they can do that whenever they want. But this is now step four. So we're moving on. Once you have your golden behaviors circled and asterisked, the next step is we're trying to make them tiny. We're trying to find where we're going to start with them so that we can keep being successful with them. So starting tiny in this step, we're essentially trying to find gateway habits, which is what the, I love that term, gateway habits or habits that are too small to fail. Okay. So the idea with this is to make them as easy as possible to start and as easy as possible to maintain them. Right. So even though it's not super sexy, these little tiny habits, the idea is that they're sustainable and they're going to be successful in the long run. Okay. So making them as tiny as possible. So how do we do that? There's several ways we can try to make these tiny, right? So one option is exactly what we just talked about, the starter step. So if I want to build on a running habit, my starter step is putting on my running shoes. If I want to start a journaling habit, my starter step is opening my journal, right? Maybe a, maybe a meditation habit. If I want to start meditating, maybe my starter step is taking out my meditation cushion, putting it on the floor. That's the starter step, the first step in line to you doing your eventual behavior. And another way is the scaling it back version, which is really easy to understand. If I want to eventually get to running 5K, well, I'm going to start by maybe just walking to the mailbox, or I'm going to start by maybe just jogging to the mailbox. So that would be the scaling it back version. 
Uh, mm -hmm. So that's one way to make things easier. Another way to make things easier is to increase your ability. So basically, if you increase your skills for a behavior by either rep repetition or maybe researching the topic and feeling more comfortable with it, maybe taking a class or asking someone for tips, if the increase in ability makes the behavior easier to do. And finally, another version of that or another way to do that is to get tools and resources. So maybe reading a book, maybe buying um, an activity monitor, uh, getting some gadget, uh, hiring a coach, all these ways, all these little tools can help you make the activity or the behavior easier and uh, more likely to occur because you're making it smaller. So far, mm -hmm. so good. Yes, so good. <laughs> all right. And actually, you know, it, it, and it does feel pretty sexy when you have a lot of successes at, at those tiny little starter steps. It feels so good. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love, I love how it feels. I mean, it's just so, it feels really good. <laughs> at this point in time, so for those of you who have your, uh, your golden behaviors, this is where you're going to write out the smallest version of that behavior that you're going to want to sort of design for. Okay. So you take that golden behavior, you make it as tiny as possible. Something that's so easy that you would feel silly to skip. That's how small you want it to go. You would never skip it because you could never come up with an excuse to skip it, right? It's not time. It's not effort. It's not money. It's not any of that. You'd feel silly to give someone an excuse, especially yourself for skipping it. So that's what you're doing now. You're taking your golden habits, your golden behaviors, and making them into the smallest version that you are going to design for. Okay. So then we move on to step five. Step five is finding a good prompt, which is really, really important. Finding a good prompt means maybe means rearranging the environment so the prompt is more visible. Maybe it's already there. Maybe you haven't found it yet, right? So we have to look for ways to hook on a new habit onto an old habit, a habit that's already established, a habit you will not for forget, a habit that you never skip, okay? So how do we do this? This is not something that BJ Fogg gives too much attention to, but, but thankfully, James Clear has, <laughs> has a habits scorecard exercise, which is really useful. Uh, I think it, it creates awareness. You know, you know exactly what you're doing and in what order. And it also opens your eyes a little bit to certain behaviors that maybe aren't effective for the person you're saying you want to become. So making a habit scorecard, I'll describe how to do it now. It's a very good exercise and something that's really eye-opening, especially if you save it. Like you can do it right now, look at your habit scorecard and then check it out again five years from now and see where your habits or how your habits have changed and where you are five years from now. It could be a very interesting and eye-opening experience. So what is a habits scorecard? Do you know, Ruthie? Mm -hmm. No? Okay. A habit scorecard is essentially an inventory of your consistent habits per day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it, it takes a little bit of time to build it. Uh, a couple of minutes, really, if you're really, really aware of what you do, but usually it takes a little bit longer. And the idea is to write down your morning routine, the one you do every morning, the one that you're not going to forget. You're obviously going to get up. You're going to maybe hit the snooze. Maybe not. Maybe you're going to go to the bathroom every morning. Maybe you'll brush your teeth. Maybe you'll start your coffee machine. Any other habit you have is just included in a list. And then you have this beautiful list of possible anchors. Okay. Mm -hmm. These are your, your concrete behaviors upon which you can anchor your new behavior. And you can do this for your evening routine. And you can do this for any other things you do for sure during a day. Like, let's say for sure, you're going to, you know, take a lunch break or for sure the phone is going to ring. Uh, for sure, the sun will set. You can use any of these things as, a, as, a, as an anchor. So you make this list. You write out something like, I wake up, I turn off the alarm, I walk to the bathroom, I brush my teeth, I hit whatever it is. You know, you write these mm -hmm. down and then yes. you see where you can fit in the new habit. Which one of these habits can be your anchor for the new habit? Okay. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's interesting. I, 
Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I just love this because you you can we can use our proof of um, work log, our health log. You could put your score, you could put your score habit scorecard right in your um, your log. Absolutely, it's actually a good idea, and it's a really it's a great exercise to try. It's a really great exercise because it gives you so it's like fertile soil for planting mm-hmm. new habits, fertile soil, and it's a, it's really effective because you can even as as you write out your routines it actually becomes a template for future habits to build on. So it's, it's very interesting and it doesn't take that long. And also once you have it prepared and then the next morning you get up, you'll notice that you probably forgot a few things. So you just plug them in there. Okay. Um, it could also be interesting to look at your habits. And if there's some that are, you know, not ideal, you can always just swap them out, replace them, find a way to maybe eliminate them or do something better with them. Right. Cause then you have them in front of you. You know what you're doing every morning. This might be a good time actually for people to actually fill out the habit scorecard. Do you think it was yeah. clearly, yeah, it was clearly explained. You think they'll know what to do. You're going to try it. Yes. And- we're going to, you, we don't even, you're going to pause this right now and you're going to make, make a list in your health log in your um, proof of work log, like as many of your current um, anchor, wait, are they the anchor habits? Yeah. Anchor habits upon which yeah. you put a new behavior. Yes. So, so go ahead and pause now and do that. But we don't have to pause. We'll just. All right. We'll okay. Just keep, we'll just so, keep cooking along. So basically, when you have your golden behaviors, you've made them tiny. So you have this tiny version. And now you find your prompt. So this is where you make that recipe. So prompt, new little tiny behavior and celebration. Okay. So this is how that comes together. Golden behavior made tiny. You, f- you choose your anchor from your habits scorecard. So you decide maybe the anchor of brushing the teeth. Well, that's where I'm going to anchor onto my new behavior of lifting one leg. So I brush my teeth on one leg and practicing my hip stability. Okay. So that's step five. And finally, not finally, but finally we get to celebration. (laughs) Finally, we get to celebrate. So so celebration was one of these things where I was like, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. This is silly. I'm not going to celebrate because I lifted a leg off the floor. I'm not going to celebrate because I did one sun salutation, which was actually a few of my currently, uh, currently incorporated habits into my daily life. But then I kept reading. I kept an open mind because obviously this man is brilliant. You know, he's been researching this for 20 years, so he might know what he's talking about. And I tried it. And once you try it, it's hard to deny it. Right. So he says that BJ Fox says that emotions create habits. All right. So habits are created by feeling good, not by feeling bad. And the way he explains it is that the brain's reward circuitry, when you do a certain sequence of behaviors and then you celebrate, which releases the dopamine and releases these feelings of happiness and goodness and and pride Mm -hmm. and success. Well, Mm -hmm. that is like the trigger for the next time you have this expectation set that if you do these things again, you're going to feel good. So then you end up looking for this behavior. Mm-hmm. The but celebration, the celebration and the dopamine squirt is like your brain's, your, your brain's way of setting a signpost that you're on the right track. Yes, exactly. Right. So I, I, again, I'm like, he explained it to me. I understood it. I'm going to try it because I think it's interesting. So he described this exercise called the celebration blitz. Um, which was easy, fun, and I, I'm going to explain it. I think everybody should try it just to see if you're going to feel the same buzz I felt, okay? And um, so just an example of what celebration is before we actually go into the celebration blitz. Examples of celebration, he calls it shine. Shine being the positive feeling we get from experiencing the success are things like, uh, I'll, I'll tell you my favorite ones, right? You lift your arms up in a V, yes, 
Yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah. I like it. does it. feel really good. It does, right? The power posture. Uh, I like to fist bump myself. Ooh, what? I love it. I love it. Right? I never did that before. Fist bumping myself. And then <laughs> you could do a little dance. That's also really fun. I like it. I like the dance. Yeah, <laughs> the celebration dance. Like oh, the, that's so good. That's off my shoulders. I like that one. I like the what, what? What, what a lot <laughs> uh, and you know just anything else that feels good basically so he gives in his book he has like a list of I don't know dozens of options but I think you should really choose the ones that feel right for you <laughs> and also <laughs> he, he also suggested you have one for for public right there's all these private ones you can do whatever you want in the, the privacy of your own home but if you ever do something in public you want to have some secret celebration that you can experience while in public okay so what's yours wait what's your public one Oh, I nod my head. I'm like, oh yeah. Like that. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah, that's I'm gonna adopt that one because usually I dance and it scares people. <laughs> oh, I'd love it. I'd love it. I like in his TED talk, he he goes, um, I, I have used this one before. And I thought first I thought it was kind of cheesy, but then I tried it where in his TED talk he says that he gets people to floss one tooth. Yeah, yeah. And then he and then you go, I'm awesome. <laughs> I'm awesome. <laughs> so silly but it, it it works i can't i had no it. I because so because we're because we are we are we are children no, we, <laughs> are. we are we are at heart anyway it's great i don't don't don't, don't try to deny it that's i'm not i'm not so uh, the celebration blitz okay so if anybody hasn't tried it did you try this ruth when you no i don't think okay. i don't know remind me refresh me okay uh, it's, I really, really highly suggested just to see how well it works. I, I, again, I don't want to prime anybody with suggestion, but essentially he says, put a timer for three minutes and go into the, the messiest room in your house or in the office or whatever, you know, and just for three minutes, put things away, tidy up, uh, maybe put a dish in the, in the sink, uh, fold a little hand towel, put a, a sock away. And every time you do this one little action, you, you celebrate, you choose any celebration and be like, oh, you know, here's the cup in the sink. Yes. Or uh, here's me folding the towel. Oh yeah. And you go through this for three, for, for three minutes. I love this. I, I swear. I felt so good at the end. And you know, I, I would, I would, they, by the end, I was just dancing the whole time. Right. <laughs> it, but it worked. I, I can't deny that I felt great. And I can see why that feeling would inspire me to do that again. You know? Oh my gosh. Y'all should pause this right now and go do a celebration blitz for three minutes and then record in your log how it felt. Yeah, okay. that's a great idea. Absolutely. I would love to actually know what people thought. So if they're going to yes, ever, ever message do. on Slack, I would love to hear if this worked for people. Yes. It's such an easy, simple way to bring your mood up. I, I couldn't mm -hmm. believe how easy it was. And actually in the book, I'm going to read a quote, which I thought was really powerful. He, so BJ Fogg regards celebration. Okay, he says, celebration will one day be ranked alongside mindfulness and gratitude as daily practices that contribute most to our, to our overall happiness and well-being. True. And I'm like, wow, if you're going to put celebration in the same box as mindfulness and gratitude, and I know how both those things have, have impacted my life. You know, so I imagine celebration being that important is truth. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Finally, we come... To the last step in the behavior design process, okay? The last step is troubleshoot, iterate, and expand. Now, the expand piece will likely happen naturally, right? It should be 
flowing, smooth, like you're swimming with the current. You don't need to force behaviors to become bigger. If you're happy with where you are, you feel good about it. You can let them sit. You can let them sit like that and just keep experience, keep experiencing the feeling of goodness and success and, uh, and you know, the art of showing up essentially. But if you want to grow them, make sure you're growing them where it feels natural and you still feel good. And it's not overwhelming or frustrating as you're growing them. Usually the fact that you're simply successful at showing up will lead to further success, will lead to further um, ability being grown and motivation being hired. And eventually they'll multiply and they'll grow by themselves. Okay, so the expansion part usually takes care of itself, but you can also obviously sort of move yourself along as long as you consider that you're still gonna be celebrating and enjoying your time as you're doing it, right? So that's it. And then for troubleshooting, I find one of the best ways to troubleshoot is environment design and redesign and redesign and redesign. Yes. And uh, I find this a little funny because every time I have a friend come over, they're like, did you, did you change something again? And I'm like, yes, yes, I did. I did change something again because this works better. So the idea, with, the idea with environment design and redesign is that the physical space you live in should be designed to work with your habits and not mm -hmm. against them, right? The cues for your behaviors should be visible. Uh, because any small change you make can lead to very big, very big changes, right? Any little thing you do differently can actually get your habit to stick or not to stick, right? So basically making your cues that trigger and prompt your habits as obvious and as visible as possible. So I can give you a few examples of this that I, just recently, I think this week, I was trying to get myself to do one sun salutation. And I would always forget because I want to do the sun salutation in my gym area. But I would come out after I've made my bed and I'd start journaling and the by the time I was done journaling in my kitchen, I had forgotten to do the grateful, the grateful sun salutation first. So all I did, the only, the only change I made is that once I finished journaling at night, because I, I, I journal in the morning at night, I would take the journal and simply place it on my treadmill. So the act of going to get my, yeah, the act of getting my, my treadmill, my journal off the treadmill, I was already in the exact spot for my sun salutation. And now I haven't awesome. missed it. Yeah. Little that change. Is so that. good. Yeah. Yeah. Another really silly example is um, I bought myself a, a, an inversion trainer, like a feet up trainer. Ooh, and I love that. Yeah. Well, it sat in my, it's in my other apartment. It had sat in my gym area for months and months and months. And I was like, oh, look how pretty <laughs> it is in the corner, just sitting there. Like, here, let me hang my coat on. <laughs> yeah, essentially, you know, and then I moved into the smaller apartment and I put it in my bedroom and then I told myself it's here. I can see it. Why am I skipping this? So I moved a cushion from the couch onto my bed so that when I, when I unmade my bed, the cushion would go onto the inversion trainer. So in the morning, when I made my bed and I would take the cushion off the inversion trainer, that was my cue to use it. And that, that so is now good. a daily habit as well. So small, so, so small. small, but the importance of the environment and your cues being very, very present, right? And as the saying goes, it's easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist it. So if there are certain things you'd like to not do, Make sure they're not in, they're not visible, they're not there to, to tempt you because you're much more likely to be successful if you don't count on your willpower and instead you design your mm -hmm. environment to work with. This is a great one. This is, I have a great example around this in food. We, we renovated our diet 20 years ago um, and we took, and we made a commitment. My commitment was like, if I feel deprived, because I thought my diet was pretty healthy, if, but, and I said to myself, if I, if we make this change and I feel deprived, I'm not doing it, you know, yeah. like I'm not going to cut out certain things completely from my life because I love cookies and I love a glass of champagne now and then. But what we did was we, 
we took all of the foods that we didn't want to eat on a regular basis out of the house. And we don't buy those things. And so ice cream, cakes, cookies on a regular basis do not come into our house at all. And recently it's been alcohol because normally I would like cook with wine, but sometimes I would cook for a very long time. (laughs) So I took this stuff out of the house. And now if we want those things, we go out to a place and it's an event and it's something wonderful and it's out of the ordinary. It's not just this like sluggish numbing habit on a daily basis. Right. It's not mindless. It's you, yeah. you made a conscious decision to leave the house, put on, put on clothes or whatever it is, and actually make the effort, right? You added friction to a bad habit. Let's exactly. Say. And that friction, it's funny because more often than not, the, the behavior itself isn't compelling enough. Like the friction is just enough to be like, well, actually, if I drink a, a fuzzy water in a champagne glass that I have here, does the trick, you know? Right. Absolutely. It's, it's funny because I, I, I don't plug in my, my TV anymore. It's been forever. And sometimes I'll sit down with my partner on the couch. And, you know, once you start cuddling, like just, you know, sweet, nothing, just cuddling. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I need to get up from this position now to turn on the TV. It's not worth it. Let's just have a conversation. Just and it's not like it's that much effort to plug in a TV, but I have yeah. to leave the coziness of the couch to plug the TV. And I'm like, mm, not worth it. This, this is much better. You know, the conversation yeah. is much better. And that's Brilliant. 10 seconds, not even. So we get to the end where there's a few bonus strategies. We'll go through them really quickly. If anybody wants to try them, feel free to try them. These are extra bonus strategies which might might work if other things aren't working. So behavior sequence rehearsal has worked really well for me. Um, I find it really fun because it's how quickly, how quickly can get you to do something. Like how quickly can sort of muscle memory the behavior into you. It supercharges the speed of like habit formation. So essentially it's a drill. You take your habit recipe and you run through the drill, A, B, C, A, B, C. You run through it mm. seven to 10 times. And I'm pretty sure that'll do it because it's done it for me. Wow. I've tried it. It's done it. It's worked three times so far. Like I've had a habit of such a, it's such a silly example. I'm like, let me see if this will work. I have a towel on my right and a towel on my left where you dry your hands in the bathroom, but I've been doing it for years to the right. And I'm like, so this left towel is never getting used. And I'm like, why not? It's probably feeling lonely. You know, so I'm like, can I get myself to turn left? And I practiced the drill seven times. And now I'm always turning left. After that is years. so good. Yeah. After years of turning right. It's really impressive. So that's, that's it. Behavior sequence rehearsal, uh, rehearsal. That's the drill. I think that could be really interesting to try rewiring your brain that way. A second little um, thing I use every day. I find it really helpful for me after you've sort of plotted in all these like new habits if you want to make sure you're sort of getting them done, I have what's called the daily commitments list. I mean, I called it that, but other people call it like keystone habits. Uh, other people, I don't know. People call it all sorts of things. I like to call it my daily commitments to myself. So I, I put basically my morning routine, the way I want it to go in order. And I know this sounds a little crazy, but I have literally from water, you go to coffee from, from the, from hanging from the, the, the pull-up bar, you go make your bed, then you invert, then you do a chin up. And I have these arrows of like my behavior in the morning which I know sounds a little weird, but I get everything no. done that way. Okay. No, it's so, wonderful. Yeah. You list them out. You list out your habit recipes and a little checkbox. I've laminated this page. It's on my fridge. So I go through the, uh, the behaviors and I check them off, which is also like visual reinforcement. Yes. Morning and evening routines. Check, check, check. So this keeps me on track and I don't forget anything. Oh my God. It's so good. Yeah. And finally, a last um, 
trick that uh, James Clear sort of mentioned is it's called temptation bundling. So temptation bundling is when you take a habit that you want to do like watching Netflix and you attach it to a habit that you feel like you should be doing, like maybe exercising. So you don't allow yourself to watch Netflix unless you are also exercising at the same time. So the example that's given in the book was a man, he hacked his exercise bike to turn on Netflix and run the show as long as he was pedaling. So every time he stopped pedaling, he couldn't watch Netflix anymore. So that's the idea of completion bundling, right? So if you want to go have, um, want to go see your friend, well, you can only go see your friend and have a conversation if you're also walking outside. So that's, that's the idea, you know? Those are the three bonus strategies. And the final tip, if you'd like, is a mantra, the mantra of never miss twice, okay? So never miss twice, I thought was a beautiful, uh, a beautiful thing to repeat to myself sometimes because you're not always going to be successful. There's going to be times when you're going to miss, miss once. And uh, what, it, what it says in the book specifically goes, the breaking of a habit doesn't matter if the reclaiming of it is fast, right? Mm. The first mistake is never the one that ruins you. It is the spiral of re repeated mistakes that follows. Missing one is an accident. Missing twice is the start of a new habit. Mm -hmm. so that's a, it was very powerful for me anyway. So yeah. never miss twice. Hopefully yes. this can help everybody. Hopefully this will be the, the start of a new uh, transformation for everybody. And yes. I, I, hope some, I hope we can hear some feedback and some success stories. Hopefully. Yes, definitely. Oh my gosh. So good. So, um, yeah. So for all of you foot nerds, uh, what that was so great. Um, I want to just close out by saying that, uh, you know, I've been talking about for like all of these lessons now about how taking care and full responsibility for your health and your well-being and improving the quality of your life also takes care of the world around you. And um, and the reason why is twofold, right? So it's not, I, I mentioned before in a, in a conversation with Nick that when we take care of our individual selves, it it takes burden off of, you know, our institutions um, that are trying to like save lives in an emergent way. Um, so if each individual person takes care of themselves personally, that helps to take care of the world around us. But second fold is that talking, you know, utilizing these tools that RG is talking about and really deeply understanding what behavior change is and the, all of these um, amazing like little shifts that we can do that we can create and implement in our lives on a very small scale and you improving the quality of your life. And then when other people see that, I don't think that you realize that you're taking action in these ways is powerfully contagious, that your new healthy behaviors, anchors, prompts, and small, tiny habit changes ripple out into the world around us. You know, like it, it really bleeds into the ecosystem around us and helps to make the world like people notice, everybody notices. And so don't, don't kid yourself that the small tiny habits do not make big lasting ripple effects, not only for your own life, but for all of our lives. So um, we hope that this lesson was helpful. We want you to um, talk with your learning partners and your pod mates and discuss and take notes in your health log. Reach out to us if you have questions. Um, remember that listening to this lesson is proof of work. And so thank you again for being, doing what you're doing and listening to this and, um, that ciao for now, anything you want to say before we head out? 
Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, remember, you cannot pour from an empty cup. So these little mm -hmm. habits fill your cup. Yes. Ciao for now, foot nerds. We'll see Ciao you next now. time. Bye-bye.